Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Uh, and welcome back to Volume 2 in uh, the Book of Kingsman. We're uh, we're at it again, guys. We are. And I feel like this is going to be a, a similar vibe if if, uh, if y'all will, will think back several years ago. Um... I think this will be basically the same as the Terminator Genesis episode where I've built up how bad this movie is for years. The bo- You both watch it and go, it's fine. Yeah, I, I definitely went in <laughs> thinking I was like it was going to be I thought there would be a lot raunchier. I thought there would be a lot more just something. And then I, I was. I, yeah, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I don't think it's good necessarily. Sure. But there are things I like. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, not, I, I'm not like dying to watch it again. But I would. I also uh, am going to sound echoey this episode, by the way, which is something I hope to correct on future episodes, uh, because uh, I am now in a house, which, uh, as uh, any any longtime listener may be aware, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, by the way. But I, I, you know, essentially was like, well. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, really important for me to, you know, kind of expand, uh, our family's home and get some more room because we need somewhere to record, uh, an episode about Morbius. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. This is chapter one in the road to Morbius saga. Yeah, I like chapter one is Kingsman two. Got it. Yeah, that's accurate. If the journey begins here. King, uh, Kingsman the Golden Circle, please. Kingsman the Golden Circle. <laughs> it's thematically relevant. All will be revealed. That's true. When we watch Morbius. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, um, that was kind of the driving force. Tyler looked around at his his beautiful child. He looked around at his wife and his his lot in life, and he said. Morbius can't fit here. We need more. That's, we need more. Yeah. We need acreage for Morbius. I'm, I mean, at, I, if the internet has learned anything at all, it's that Morbius cannot be contained. Mm-hmm. No, it's and you know it can't really be released either. To any kind of, <laughs> they tried it twice. There's a, there's a weird like you kind of have you you need a, a fenced in yard where you didn't close it all the way for Morbius. Yeah, you need you know it's like you want like. Free range chickens that could just escape, also. Right, right, right. More <laughs> that's that's the situation you want. Right. You, you want them. You want Morbius to be able to leave and come back, uh, so that you know it's true love. Exactly. Range life is good for Morbii. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know that is like as chap- as Tyler said, that is another chapter in this in this journey. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because today we're talking about Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Uh. Uh, which is a movie <laughs> that Alex does not like. And Alex, you have been ranting, uh, really railing against this movie for a long time. Is it because Billy Joel isn't in it? That would actually be really neat if they had both Billy Joel and Elton John in this movie. I thought that it was like a, like a like a one and like take an Elton, leave a Billy situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is That is the only reason I like The Boys, by the way, just for the record, is only because they mentioned Billy Joel and have several of his songs in there. That's the yeah, only yeah, yeah. reason. Otherwise, <laughs> Alex has a very specific TV viewing taste. <laughs> I actually don't think season three had enough Billy Joel. Correct. Uh, yeah, I think that's <laughs> so. quite, uh, quite likely. 
I don't know how often his songs are used in other media. Um, kids Not love enough. Heartstopper, so I'm assuming that Billy Joel's in Heartstopper as both an actor Probably. and a soundtrack guy. Probably. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. What are the Kingsman: scoring? The Golden Circle, directed by Matthew Vaughn from 2017. It has a 50 percent mm. critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 64 percent audience score. And yes, this is. This is one of those movies that I, I seem to have latched on to of like, that was a very formative experience of, of me watching a really bad movie in a theater. That's probably not that bad. I just, I, I overthink it. It's got a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, the old, the old gambler's folly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the old Dodge the Bishop. I see what we're doing here. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> Alex, did you? Well, I guess I'll let me do the synopsis, and then I have a, a prompt sure. for for Alex. Um, okay, Kingsman: The Golden Circle. The synopsis reads thus: With their headquarters destroyed and the world held hostage, members of Kingsman find new allies when they discover a spy organization in the United States known as Statesmen. In an adventure that tests their strength and wits, the elite secret agents from both sides of the pond. Band together to battle a ruthless enemy and save the day. Something that's becoming a bit of a habit for Eggsy. <laughs> Little nun joke there. <laughs> so, Alex, you said you had personally negative experience. Was there maybe, like, something extraneous in your theater experience? Was there a loud theater neighbor? Was the popcorn bad? Had you been, like, I don't know, run over beforehand? Like, what was... Did something kind of... Was, was there a sort of miasma, I guess, in your life at the time? Or was it just that you didn't like the movie? I, I don't think there were any uh, extenuating circumstances. I think, uh, I mean, maybe I'd seen the reviews before, and I was like, oh, this is much more mixed than the first film. I'm a little concerned. Um, but I remember watching the film and being like, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. Most of this, at least in the first act, doesn't <laughs> feel right. So by the time it gets to some of the more enjoyable stuff later on the movie had already lost me and it wasn't able to recover and even maybe i'm burying the lead a little bit um my favorite bit in the movie involving merlin we'll get to it um the context surrounding that scene makes absolutely no sense given the rules that they establish in the film so even like the one bright spot the thing that i really enjoy and like i can take that moment out and just watch it um, it's like Thor arriving in Wakanda. I'm like, it doesn't make sense though. <laughs> um, I think you were you were working at the theater that day. I may have walked over and just started complaining about this movie to you. <laughs> you might have. I you you were a a, a thornier individual in 2017. I, I I this to this I can't attest. Yeah, Thor. It makes sense that he would go to Wakanda. That's where the bad guys are, right? So I just want to say that scene makes sense uh, <laughs> and is good. I'm, I mean, in, in terms of like general hype, like, oh, I see, I see, I see a bit. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. like Merlin's death scene in this, I think is absolutely wonderful. And like, sure. It's very well executed and it's a wonderful song choice. Um, but yeah, Take the scene doesn't the make any sense. Country by frost. <laughs> Maybe that's what West Wakanda Thunder was missing. 
other countries bring me Shenandoah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the description. I was gonna. I I was going Um, back between between Thor Denver and John Denthor, but now I'm thinking of John John Denethor, which is a very different. Take me home, my one good son. (laughs) Gone on a journey here. I I do think. we we can go ahead and touch on that and then maybe dig into the the meat of that later. Um, he does. It is a death scene in which Mark Strong sings "Country Roads" <clears throat> as a distraction. It's quite nice, uh, and we'll talk about it. Um, they do. They don't establish that he's a John Denver fan in the first movie, correct? I, there's a line in this movie, kind of like in the first half somewhere, where he mentions it. Maybe even a little. Maybe like even later. Yeah, it that, actually might yeah. even be after the halfway point. Well, I think he talks about liking country music when they say, oh, we have to go to Kentucky. But okay. he doesn't say, I like John Denver until they go and they're yeah. about to fly off to uh, yeah. Poppy's Fortress. Right. So I think that's a miss. I think that would be nice if, you know, it's probably uh, too much forethought to be expected uh, from the first movie. But it would be nice if that was like not a trait introduced in this for that purpose. But it's nice. It's well yeah, done. I also would argue that John Denver isn't really country, um, and sure. also, <laughs> and also yeah, when he, when he mentioned being well, a, you could... like a country music fan going to Kentucky, I was like, oh, this is a Bernie Taupin reference because of Elton John is in the movie. I get it, and I was like, Britain, that's not this movie is not operating <laughs> on that subtle and you, minute. You could have you could have him be like, oh, I like the the classics and you know, sure, yeah, say man, yeah, folk Americana stuff. Yeah, 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 like something like that. But yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I would like uh, Mark Strong to just have a five-minute rant of this movie about modern country music. I think that would be nice. <laughs> he just starts singing Pandering by Bo Burnham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a problem with Luke Combs, who I think <laughs> is one of them. That sounds right. Yeah. I think if he's not, he will be. I think <laughs> there will be a country singer by that name soon. Yeah. <laughs> My mother always told me that one day there would be a country singer named Luke Combs. <laughs> So, so Alex, you you mentioned that scene doesn't really make sense to, in, in the in the interest of talking about the film. Explain how. Sure. Um, well, the main thing is the the whole set piece centers on this minefield that leads into Poppy's base, and for some reason, because we're dealing with James Bond logic and whatever gadget you have in the movie, you're going to use it. You know. At, at that point they just know there's a minefield so they have like this baseball bat that's able to detect mines and they get all the way up to the edge of the forest when they're about to you know figure out what their plan is to go and attack poppy and her or her goons and then Exy just steps on a mine which is like very obvious it's not like well hidden mm-hmm. and yeah. they have to like scrape away you know some grass or dirt or something to see it it's just kind of there in plain sight which is already whatever um, but then Merlin goes, oh, hey, we've got this thing to freeze it, but it only freezes it for a split second and you're going to have to run. And so he just takes his spot. Like all of that felt really, really flimsy that, to me. But beyond, well, that yeah. part to me, I think is clearly him lying to exit. Oh, yeah, him. I understand that. I just okay. think the setup is really stupid because it's just this this one-off gadget that's not been introduced before, like at least yeah. the baseball bat, like that was in the previous scene. Um it just kind of comes out of nowhere 
and I I feel like they would have some sort of gadget that could deactivate a mine. Um, but that's not the worst of it. That's just kind of the opening setup of it all. Um, but Merlin decides, hey, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to draw these henchmen in and I'm going to blow them all up. So he distracts them by saying, take me home, country roads. We have established already at the beginning of, or not at the beginning of the movie, but throughout the film, people just kind of show up to Poppy's base. Like there's an attorney that shows up and she specifically says, remember to reactivate the mines once he has come through. So she has it within her power to turn these things on and off. And so when her men go, hey, Poppy, there's this guy at the edge of the forest who's just singing and she's not going, I wonder if he's near a mine. Maybe I should deactivate them to make sure my men are safe. And she doesn't. She just acts like a moron. Um, that whole setup is just super flimsy to me. And it feels like Matthew Vaughn thought of the idea of Merlin going out with this really epic moment without thinking the rest of it through. And he's kind of working backwards. I mean, I would say that Poppy, I I don't, if she's willing to sacrifice her guards that way, I think it's because she is like certifiably um, unwell mentally in the movie. Like she escaped from like a psychiatric hospital. Like she's clearly a sociopath. So like, I think it is possible that her not I, thinking about what about my my men is just kind of like well whatever who cares about them if they blow up they I, blow up. But yeah, the fact I have, that she has already established oh the mines are a thing that she is thinking about and considering in other situations that just seems really off to me. I I feel like to me and I have thoughts about her character. I don't necessarily think she's like a super well thought out character. Um, but I think. Given the character established, that makes sense. If she's just totally flippant, like she's just like, eh, go, go, go check that guy out. You know, maybe he'll step on a mine anyway. Uh, and like, I think if anything, the guards should be the ones who are like, oh, we have mines here. We should pay attention. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that she would care. <laughs> She'd be like, eh, it'll sort itself out somehow. Go, go check that guy out. Yeah. She, Cause he did have that line about how she prefers to have robots anyway. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like I said, I thought the whole setup was just really flimsy just to have Merlin have a really cool moment, which it is cool out of context. But for me, in context, it doesn't work at all. Well, that uh, and I'll kind of springboard off of that. That to me is how I felt about the entire third act where I I think really for me, it probably clicks uh, around the time. I think I started from that moment on onward. I was really enjoying it. I, I think specifically for me, it clicks around the time the ski lift trap starts going crazy where they have this ridiculous thing where there is a, uh, what do you call it? Um, <clears throat> cable car mm-hmm. that takes you up to the stop, top of a mountain, uh, which is very James Bond. And, uh, then Eggsy and whiskey, Pedro Pascal's character gets stuck inside this thing. Uh, and it starts spinning like a top, like insanely fast. And it's just completely ridiculous. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm sort of just like, you've won me over at this point. Like, why not? Let's just yeah. roll with it. And there's a pretty, it's it's pretty fun how they get out of that. Um, we can get into that later. But like from that point on, I was kind of on board on a purely like, this is just really enjoyable. Um, there are several characters who are giving great performances. Uh, it's just a really fun time. <clears throat> I don't really like a lot of the stuff that came before that point, uh, which is sort of an exact flip of how I was 
with the previous movie where I was like, oh, I think this these first two acts have a lot of setup for really interesting stuff. And then the third act is just kind of a, a nothing with a couple of neat moments in, in between. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I mean, for me, like I starting off with the movie, I was already like, I feel like it, and we can swing back around to the beginning here. I feel like it doesn't do a very good job of getting you invested early on. It does a thing that I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of specific examples, but I know we've talked about movies like this where there's just like not a, you can tell that they, I mean, maybe like alien three might be a good example where you can tell they want to do some stuff. Uh, and even better comparison in this case, because that includes killing off, uh, a couple of characters to just get them out of the way. 20th um, century Fox franchise films <laughs> love doing that. I mean, between the alien films and that includes Prometheus and alien covenant. Sure. You know, there's this, there's the X-Men movies, which all the time do that. Matthew Vaughn is connected to that. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Yeah. And so like it's, it, it's a thing where just the entire first 20 minutes or so, the movie are impossible to really like sink your teeth into because it starts off with this car chase scene that happens because Charlie from the previous movie shows up and he's not dead, which we reveal later is because of the electrical zapper. But that's already kind of like, oh, that, okay. Like, it'd be one thing if if um, Gazelle from the last movie showed up. Then you're like, sure. oh, oh, snap. How is she still alive? What, what's going on? Like, that's yeah. super intriguing and weird. But it's Charlie, so you're just kind of like, oh, Okay. Well, it's like I, said, I I messaged you guys. I thought he was a new character because, like, with his head shaved, <laughs> that actor looks like Matthias Shainartz, and I was like, I, "Is that who that is?" They they show us a side by side of them, but they do. He does look a lot different. Yeah. Uh, this movie does quickly establish that we can bring back anyone at any time and don't right. worry about it. Which yeah, I it bothers Strange. me quite a bit. Um, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I um. I th- I think I think it's because I went into this movie knowing how much Alex disliked it and th- feeling like it was going to be a, be different so that I kept going, oh, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Maybe if I watch it again, now understanding what it is, it wouldn't work for me very well. And I still didn't love it, but like, I, I remember Alex, you mentioned that the, the movie with the, the ending of the last movie with the, the butt stuff. You were like, imagine that just like constantly. And... Th- I, I which I took to mean, and I knew you were also talking about like, oh, you like how Rocky's used in the first movie. Well, you're not going to like that in the second movie. So I had, and this is not your fault, of course. I assumed that meant that Rocky Roxy became a forced or retconned love interest for Eggsy, or that she was having to do lots of weird like sex jokes, and that there were just tons of sex jokes. And there is one I don't unpleasant uh, scene involving a different mm-hmm. orifice in the movie. Um, sure. prompting me to wonder if Eric Kripke has seen the film and there's another <laughs> and then like Roxy is, is di- dies early on I was like oh okay I see what he means is that Roxy dies early so all yeah. of that nice character work in the first one means nothing and I agree that is really frustrating and so then because there wasn't as much like sex joke as many sex jokes as I, as I thought there would be I was like oh okay like I really like that he and the princess are still dating like I like that this movie took a joke I wasn't crazy about but then went well, but they stayed together. Like she wasn't just like a one-time conquest. I <clears throat> I felt like that was weird for a lot of the movie. Uh and I think by the end I'd kind of like started rolling with it. Uh but I f- I think by the end I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of a fun subversion of again from the last movie how yeah. that's kind of a flip 
<clears throat> or an extreme version of the bond uh you know being with the girl at the end yeah uh, who never shows up again in the following bond movies that's a fun thing to have her still be there and then it's like oh she's actually the love of his, love of his life that's kind of sweet it actually worked for me by the end of the movie sure uh but i was a little thrown off early on i was like i i don't i don't know if i feel like this is the character we should be sticking with and i think it does not help with the the tonal consistency of the movie like we we have a scene in there where there's a car chase uh things kind of settle out a bit and we've you know charlie's hand gets into the car and that's how it hacks all the the kingsman's information uh and then they all kind of go do their own thing for a little bit but then there's a scene where uh eggsy is reading off information from his glasses uh to Mm. or from his glasses or earpiece or whatever to uh swedish lady's parents (laughs) yeah to, to impress them at dinner the, the king and queen of Sweden, I guess. Yes. Uh, or wherever. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, Roxy is feeding him information so he can stay up to date on stuff. Uh, and that's, you know, it's played very comically and like, oh, he's got all these witty retorts to everything that uh, the king has for him. Um, and is being, is like really impressing him. And then he freaks out because uh, one of his friends who's watching his dog uh, almost blows himself up. And then he actually gets blown up by a missile, and then Roxy gets blown up by a missile. One of the strangest double beats I've seen. Yeah, in the movie. it's <laughs> it's just like what that you well, can't because my my first thought was he caused like that because his friend was messing with his spy stuff. He had somehow alerted those missiles and had gotten it mm. was his fault. This happened. Yeah. Um. And then I went, oh no, it's because of the hack and and everything. Yeah. But it, it's weird because, like, you know, that's normally where it's like, oh, no, he's messed up. And, you know, now he can't date Swedish lady or he has to, like, what is her name? Uh, is it Princess Tilde, I think? Tilde. Tilde. Um, I could be wrong. Either way. Uh, yes, Princess Tilde. Sorry. Yeah, it, and... Yeah, you know, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it going in that direction and having there be more like drama about trying to date her and, you know, impress her parents. And now he's like screwed it all up because he freaked out at his glasses. But it's weird to like do that and have that have like four different like stake escalations in one scene until we get to the point of everyone is literally dying. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I think it was was on. I think the relationship between Exe and the princess, like there are a couple problems for me. Uh, the first of which being, I don't think uh, Taryn Edgerton and Hannah Alstrom, I think mm-hmm. I'm saying her name correctly. I don't think they have a whole lot of chemistry. Um, so I just wasn't emotionally invested in their relationship. Um, I get it that it's supposed to be subverting bond tropes and it's like, Oh, instead of having a one night stand, like you would in a bond movie, they end up having a, a long running relationship. Um, that's an interesting idea. Um, I was getting the vibe through a lot of this that this feels like the third film in a yes, series. Sure. Why does this... It has a sense of finality to it at the very end, particularly Harry's giving Eggsy the speech before he gets married. And he's like, I see a man who's actually grown into his potential and he's actually become a better version of himself and I'm very proud of you and all that. That feels like an arc you expand over like three movies. Sure. And, and it feels like we've truncated it so like this feels like two movies in one. Yes. And that's like I think that 
also speaks to bringing Harry back because it's yeah. you know if if you're you're bringing Harry back, you're killing literally all the Kingsmen in in one scene. You're killing uh, Mark Strong in another super emotional scene. Uh, Exy's dog dies. <laughs> Exy's dog gets killed by the missile, uh, and then Exy gets married at the end. Yeah, and so like all of these things, yeah, they're very much like wh- why why would you not try and take another movie to like have an adventure have a fun thing because this, this is also to make a like, world war one prequel tyler we'll get to it <laughs> sure uh but why not make he was only given instead. three movies fox okay. only gave him three movies okay is I this is this actually okay no it it's it does sound like a fox thing i'll be honest but <laughs> i i i want to say for the longest time they said hey, they were gonna make another one but with the disney um acquisition right. of fox i don't know if that's just kind of been put on ice well, or what the status is y- you know what you got to do in that case then is you do uh you, you know you you make the second movie kind of a split chronologically where you're you've got something happening in the modern day and then uh in world war one you know you thematically they tying like, two? they should like they should cloud just make atlas. it godfather two like, yeah like cloud atlas <laughs> sure uh, sure um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, talking about subversion. First of all, Taron Egerton is five nine, so I he's taller than I thought he was. Secondly, he's uh, <laughs> nine years younger than Hannah Alstrom, which is kind of cool that a movie. And not that you can tell they don't. Neither one of them mm-hmm. looks. They don't look like there's a nine year age difference, and it doesn't matter if there is. But it's cool that a movie found a nine has a nine year age difference where the woman is the older person. And they yeah. don't need to dress in the movie, but like that's also kind of a cool uh, non-bond thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, but yeah, Tyler, to return to your earlier point, there there does seem to be some sort of character arc that you think the movie's going to take with Exy in terms of, well, now he's in this relationship with this princess. Now he has to really prove that he's a man of like higher mm-hmm. standard or, you know, higher class or nobility. Um, and is he really up for the challenge and the movie does not do anything with that until you get to the very end and you're like i guess that's what this was all about <laughs> yeah especially when like there's not there's not really a clash of culture with the kingsman and the statesman yeah yeah uh they kind of just are like ah, oh, you wear different clothes this is fun uh but there's not is jeff bridges jeff bridges is the head of kingsman right and or statesman, statesman right yes. i didn't make that up yeah. uh champagne yeah, yeah. Call yes. him champ 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 uh like he's just kind of like going along like i kept expecting there to be something deeper there like he'd be tied to what's going on but he's just kind of sure. like yep sounds good i'm here to move the plot along no tell i'm like got, i don't got, mind it i'm not against too many, it but we've got too many a listers each of them can only yes. get about five minutes of screen time when pretty I, I, much why is channing tatum in this movie well <laughs> we'll get there i i also feel like <laughs> this movie tries to they try to create tension between uh eggsy and tilda by like he has to go and have this sex mission and he calls her to make sure it's okay and then within that he says you're who i want to spend the rest of my life with and she's like oh well that would change things if i knew that like we were together you were we were really committing to this and that you were so if you had to do this i would still be uncomfortable but i would be able to process it better and he's and then suddenly he's like, oh, bleh, 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 which I, he then is like, well, you know, I don't know because it's it's frowned upon in, in Kingsman to be married, I guess. Or there's some kind of which doesn't That's make a sense. Retcon. <laughs> it's a real prequel. Uh, yeah. You know, 
and Star if, Wars prequel. And if he had uh, if he had said, you know, I if his hesitation was I don't want to like I'm I'm in a really dangerous feel like line of work, am I ready to put someone else at risk because I I my I almost got my mother killed in the last one or whatever, which didn't really happen. But, you he know, got if his he, dog killed. That's true. Maybe that's it then. He's like I what if you had been home when that when that happened? Sure. Like if his they try to they gin up this weird world building thing to make him afraid of commitment, which I think again, if this were the third movie, in the second movie, he would have been nervous about commitment. He would have been like, This is a dangerous job. Can I commit to a relationship? Am I ready to commit? Am I ready to grow up? And then but this movie couches it as like, no, Eggsy's like a stand up guy who's like, No, if I'm dating somebody, like I'm dating with intention and I'm I'm a loyal partner and I care enough to make sure she's okay with this mission. Like that's all, which is all very good. But then to try to create a conflict where he has a, a seemingly uh, like an issue with commitment feels shoehorned. But then the issue with commitment is something within his job, which hadn't been ex- established in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. So then it just, it becomes this weird, like we're just trying to create conflict, but none of it really lines up with things the movie has already set up as either character emotional truth or just world building things because tyler as you pointed out um his dad was married and had a child <laughs> and, and was i think alex actually pointed that out but i well, also was I can't tell you two apart that's and fair so, but i was i mean it, it's okay i was too busy uh, harping or, uh, about uh minefield logic i think right. uh, tyler can get uh, some bonus points off of that but <laughs> it, it is yeah, and, and I was questioning, like, what, where did this come from and why it doesn't matter, yeah. especially when right. Harry at the end is just like, well, you should love somebody. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, well, okay, so who who said this? Yeah. Which, like, again, if, if the end of the second movie had been like, no, you should be in a relationship, like, you, you, can, you can let, like, being in love is the greatest mission of all, <laughs> Eggsy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that had been the undercurrent of a mid, of a middle point in this character arc that would have made sense for this one to culminate in not just culminating in a wedding but culminating in exe committing to something but also he was never really like we talked about this in the last one he doesn't really seem like a dangerous street kid like he doesn't really read as somebody who's like whoa this he, he's really heading for a life behind bars we're told that he is but he just seems like a nice guy in unfortunate circumstances yeah well, Which, i mean they they even have the bit where um I think they're they're talking about his friends using drugs or something, and and he's like, you know, I don't really know all that much about drugs. I don't know why everyone thinks I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, okay, well, your friends I, use drugs, like, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't weird. know much about James Bond, but I'm friends with Alex, so like, I can make my way <laughs> through a conversation with Matt Gorley. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Shout out to another <laughs> podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, well, and I think he doesn't he even when they're all hanging out at Brandon's party, uh, Brandon's cool like flat. Uh, he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to drink or anything. I've got to meet her parents tomorrow." Mm. And I was like, "That is really dedication." Yeah, yeah. Which is fine again. It's all good, but I don't know. The character stuff is is weird. Because yeah. Taron Taron also like just reads as like a straight up guy, <laughs> you know? Sure. So. Yeah. yeah, um I think the movie just makes a few too many mistakes from the get-go. And like I said, just given that this is like a habit that I've that I've noticed in all these different franchises, I feel like Matthew Vaughn should be a bit smarter about some of this stuff. 
Like, I don't know why you even bother with a reaction shot of Roxy running away from the missile. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the audience is going to read that as, yeah. okay, so she might show up in the third act. Right, right, right. It's the same thing as um, as Cyclops getting killed off screen in X-Men 3, where you're going, is he, am I, should I be expecting him to show up later? Is that going to be like yeah. a big reveal? Yeah. Um, so it does stuff like that, and I've, I, there's, uh, we can get into the, the, the grosser stuff. I didn't need Eggsy to j- jump into a, a, uh sewer filled with crap yeah in the the that was at the end of the opening scene i i just didn't i don't know why we just kind of go that far yeah that was unpleasant for me as well um but a cyclops does come back in this movie because harry hart's back um he's doing his (laughs) thing and that's that's the other thing i i don't i don't like that harry's brought back to me that comes off as Matthew Vaughn having some sort of insecurity about this film and not feeling like Eggsy, Merlin, and Roxy would be able to carry a film. Well, and you don't even... It it comes off as, I need to bring back the stuff that I perceive as what worked about the first film. I have to bring that stuff back, otherwise it's not going to work. And maybe that's not it at all, maybe I'm I'm, uh, reading too much into it, but that's what it comes off as. Well, it's it's so bizarre because, you know, we talked about the the A-listers... Uh, showing up in this movie there's literally three different reveals of statesmen uh, because they're played by big actors and they're doing a a hat tip and there's like a triumphant score playing when they show up and that's it's Channing Tatum um Pedro Pascal and Jeff Bridges and also Halle Berry is there yeah and it's like what you can just have them if that's what you're gonna do why why do you need it's it's weird to me to not have it be a more like i mean it, it it's it's fun to have colin firth back like he's great and again you know once you get kind of past all the context in the third act i think it's a lot of fun and it, and it works to have him um but it's weird to approach it that way when you've already got all these other stars and channing tatum has nothing to do and jeff bridges doesn't really have anything to do either uh you know you'd you'd think the idea would just be well have channing tatum and uh Pedro Pascal come along for yeah. all the missions and just do that. It's strange. It's very strange. Well, and it's it's weird. It I, I thought Colin Firth was really good in this. Sure. I thought he did a great job and it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I like that they go through the that it's weird how much thought they seem to put into it and how or where they thought the thought seems to go because they're like, yeah. well, if he's been out of commission and he's got one eye, his his coordination is going to be off. So he's not going to be physically as, as as like on point as he was in the previous yeah. movie so we'll kind of work that into some 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 of the sequences and also is is he all there mentally so we his suspicion of certain characters is that his own paranoia is that his delusion is that real like that's an interesting kind of like oh okay what what would the the uh the repercussions of him having been like am, an amnesiac for three years or whatever like all of that I thought was was nice, but they put the way he's alive is they put a bubble around his head and then mm-hmm. he's not dead anymore. Like that was all a little <laughs> much. And I'll I will give this movie a lot of room for being silly because it's a James Bond parody and it's trying to be a silly James Bond parody, so I'm fine with a lot of it. But yeah, the the idea of him coming back does feel a little like you said, Alex. Um would you have maybe felt better if he if that wasn't actually Colin Firth, that was somebody else's body? 
that Colin Firth's spirit had been wished back into and we were all just <laughs> seeing Colin Firth. And he got to like wear a fanny pack. Maybe Chris Pine. As yeah, long as if, if Gal Gadot was brought back and she was one of the statesman agents, then maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. So I, I, it is weird. I want to talk about the statesman because it is odd that it really does feel like they cast Channing Tatum for marketing and because yeah. he's not in the movie very much at all. And Jeff Bridges being kind of a walk on leader guy. Sure. All right. Sure. I'll take it. Just doing his thing. Um, well, and you're, you know, you're not going to expect him to like go be a field. Sure. 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 You know, leader. It's like, okay, he's, the, he's there. Arthur sounds good. Yeah. But for Channing Tatum to show up as late in the movie as he does and then do as little as he does in the movie, you're kind of like, well, then why are you here? <laughs> like, why <laughs> yeah. did you cat, cat, cast such a big name? I understand why he cast a big name, but like, he doesn't really do much. That said, I like that Pedro Pascal is used as much as he is because I would have thought that would be the flip. Mm-hmm. That, it, that Pedro Pascal would be the guy laid up in bed for a lot of the movie and then Channing Tatum would be the, the secret bad guy. Like, that's what I would have assumed. Um, I also have, and this is very pedantic, but a quibble about the statesman's nomenclature. So I get that in the Kingsman, they're all Arthurian knights, mm-hmm. which again, doesn't really make sense. There's, they only use a couple of the names, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. In America, all of them are named after alcohol, which is a pretty American thing. None of the agents that we meet are named, except maybe ginger ale, are named after an American alcohol. Because champagne is French, tequila is Mexican, and whiskey is Scottish. America's a melting pot, dude. It is a melting pot. And I both think it, and I think it's kind of cool that the Chilean actor is named um, Whiskey and the white American Mm -hmm. actor is named Tequila, that they didn't go like, well, Pedro Pascal, your name is Tequila. (laughs) Your name is, you know, Dos Equis or whatever, that they like. (laughs) didn't go for it okay for but it would have been very good one. if they were all cheap beers sure <laughs> can Channing like, Tatum no, be Bud Light yeah, nobody's named Budweiser nobody's named uh Moonshine nobody's named all the other ones that there are and uh I don't know that, that that's not a problem but I did notice it and the champagne champ thing is pretty good um mm-hmm. and I I love Jeff Bridges I genuinely think he's one of the best American actors of all time um this is in that period of his career where because of true grit and crazy heart, he had to be a crusty cowboy in every movie, right. um, which he's good at. And he's, he, I just couldn't love him more, but I was like, I know, I know, <laughs> but also he's done so many things throughout his career. Like, yeah, I, it, he can, he can have a cowboy stint. That's fine. Do whatever mm-hmm. you want. It also would have been fun if he showed up with like a giant Gatling gun in the third act. I think or, you know, give, yeah. give him some action moment because he's just standing in an office. He apparently in the the, the FX series, the old man um, has like multiple fight scenes and he does, I think, a lot of it. And this is a man oh, wow. who has now uh, gone through both COVID and cancer and is five <laughs> years older than he was in Kingsman, too. So, like, he probably could have handled it <laughs> during Kingsman, yeah. too. He's amazing. Um, and a Halle Berry doesn't get an action sequence, and I know this is pre-John Wick, but, like, we all know what a great action performer she can be. Mm-hmm. That would but be cool. she's in that weird gray area, I feel, where she doesn't get enough to actually justify her being in the movie, but she gets too much. Like, she gets enough to be like, are they trying to give her a character arc? She's got her sure. own little subplot yeah. about, 
oh, well, every time, you know, one of our agents goes down, Champ refuses to, to make me like a full-on agent. I'm stuck being the tech person. And then at the end, it's just like, oh, well, you did the thing, so now well, you're they, an agent. No, they, she says that Whiskey always shot her down. Oh, is it Whiskey? So, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that there is, like, at least a tracking for why that happens. Um, but it is kind of like, okay. Because she also mentions, she says to Mark Strong, like, oh, you know, don't you ever want to get out in the field and, you know, enjoy it? Uh, And so then he goes and does that, and she doesn't, but then she gets promoted. I don't know. It's kind of strange. It feels like they're trying to set up a Statesman spinoff or something, and it's like, you've already got so much in this dang movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I did want to touch back on on that that piece with Merlin. Um, That was another thing that bugged me. I don't like how it's like this big character moment of him of like, I'm getting to go in the field, and I'm dressed up in my Kingsman suit. Oh, Eggsy, why'd you step on that mine? Now I gotta die. <laughs> like, he didn't, like, I don't know. That that seemed yeah. like a weird bait and switch to me. <laughs> yeah. It would have been kind of funny is if when they were trying to figure out who was going to be the new statesman agent, they all, like, knowingly looked at Halle Berry and she went, no, the last smart guy who went out there died. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Change your mind. Changed a, dr- mind. a dream deferred. Raisin in the sun, baby. <laughs> I am going back into my lab. <laughs> Be working on a cure for tetanus. Goodbye. <laughs> um, I I did want to circle back to Harry because I I really the thing I don't like about it is not necessarily that we have Colin Firth back because Colin Firth is yeah. is great. He's great, and yeah. I like how he's able to bring in a different spin on that performance. Mm-hmm. It's not the same exact thing as the first film. And I understand Bond parody, whatever, we're pushing everything to the extreme. Once you have it set up that you have a way to bring people back from the dead, I think that just breaks your universe. I sure. just, I, that is something, I think that's just, uh, that's just too far for me. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think and, it's, I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. And it's not just that they use it once, they use it twice. And yeah. Pedro Pascal gets back real fast from that. And it's a headshot both times. Yep. And I'm like, I know Merlin died and he's probably in a thousand pieces because it was a mine. If you told me he's coming back in another film, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No, I, I think it is. I think I, I, I joked about it, but I think it is very much the Chris Pine and Wonder Woman 84 thing where you're like, yeah. I get why you have the actor back. You didn't give me enough. Of, this doesn't make sense for the character to be back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. Although I, I did. I, I did have it set up as headcanon for myself that um, in, at the end of No Time to Die, you know, that you, that mysterious um, ship that's going to Safin's base to pick up the nanobots. It was actually the statesman. They were going to pick <laughs> it up because they use it as in their gel to help fix Colin Firth's brain. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a scene that uses like 3D imaging technology that looks like it's from like an early 2000s uh, like educational <laughs> documentary <laughs> it's a little little weird there's some we, odd the I, robots I have, in this I, movie have some strange uh digital stuff going on as well i i have firmly established matthew vaughn is very inconsistent in the digital effects department <laughs> yeah i loved that waitress robot though i thought she looked awesome sure. i just like i just like the design of her i thought like there's a lot of production design around poppy's island that i thought was was just like kitschy and fun so I want to talk about that some because yeah, I feel like Poppy is a weird 
I, I don't know that they know what they're going for with her. Yeah. I agree 100%. I, I feel like, so, you know, we int- we're introduced to her. She's making a dude uh, throw his uncle in a meat grinder to prove that he's going to be loyal to her. And she makes a burger out of that, which I don't totally get because, like, there'd be there'd be jeans and stuff. All, like, they show, some, they show <laughs> yeah, that true. it's getting filtered out of the meat grinder, but, like, yes, there'd be fibers. Like, you could not. That would not work out well. Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> What, what what are these amateurs doing uh being poor cannibals uh the so that happens like oh she's over the top and crazy and you know is gonna murder and julianne moore is having fun with it like yeah. it's it's a fun performance um but then she's got this like 60s aesthetic going on with all her stuff including some like retro thing like the robot is a retro waitress kind of vibe yeah but then also she's just got dogs that kind of look like well she's they're not like they they should be like have big round plates they should they should look like you know jetsons kind of like i feel like that's the vibe you should go for with something like that but they're just like big mean robot dogs they look like if um the robot dog from jimmy neutron digivolved yes yes that's a good way to describe it (laughs) That's that's uh, that is weirdly <laughs> spot on. She she's captured Elton John, which is fun and sets up fun stuff. But also does it because if she's doing a fifties aesthetic, I guess Bobby Darren isn't available. Uh, well, she but. says yeah. she grew up in the eighties, but that was when they were doing fifties nostalgia. Yeah. So that's why she has the fifties aesthetic. Yeah. She should have like, gotten Huey Lewis. <laughs> yes. Uh or just Michael J. Fox. And then they also, so she's like, so her, her whole deal, her motivation is that she thinks everything should be legalized and like, it's silly that they don't punish alcohol and tobacco, but they, and sugar, but they do punish cocaine and meth. Uh, She makes, she makes billions and billions of dollars a year, but nobody actually, she, she doesn't get any credit for it. She can't be like officially recognized or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so she, the, the, the code she uses for the antidote release is Viva Las Vegan. Yeah. It's just a weird yeah. bit, I, especially if she's eating people burgers. Right, right. Uh, I, I don't, I feel like it's all over the place. Um, I, I, this was about the point where I messaged you guys asking if this movie was parodying the Spy Kids aesthetic. <laughs> Uh, cause that, cause it is like up on like an isolated location, uh, in, is it in Latin America? No, it's in Cambodia. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's like so, fair enough there, but temple ruins that I guess you yeah. found or something like all of the details are completely arbitrary. It just yeah. feels like you've got, it's like Mad Libs, but for a bad guy's aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. Yeah. I, I have two follow up thoughts on that. I th- I think that similar to how Samuel L. Jackson in the previous movie had this compelling, he he was a villain where like his head was in a place not dissimilar from mine about like climate change is a big problem. We need to do something about it. And then he takes it to a villainous extreme. I kind of liked the Julianne Morris thing was like, it's silly. Like, you know that we've criminalized marijuana and alcohol so much, but then she takes it, but it's harder to get on her same boat. <laughs> it's yeah. harder. To, which not that I was on board with, uh samuel jackson's but you know what i mean um yeah like hers is a it's a weird not logic but (laughs) she 
I think that mo- I think that that motivation is really interesting yeah. for a villain yeah. to have, and I think uh, it actually I actually quite like uh, how that loops into what the president does in this movie. Sure, uh, I think that's that's kind of a <laughs> not fun twist isn't the best word for it, but uh, essentially Bruce Greenwood, President Bruce Greenwood, uh, is uh like when she when she says hey i'm holding everyone hostage because i put this virus in all our drugs and i'm gonna kill everybody or let everyone die if you don't you know decriminalize everything and let me sell all my stuff and give me immunity uh and he's like all right i'll just like let all the druggies die that sounds good (laughs) like he's very you know over the top reaction like doesn't uh it's just gonna play along with it until everyone dies um and I think that is interesting because that to me puts it in a place of what I was looking for with the last movie where you have the Kingsman in the situation of like, you know, they don't have the support of the president behind yeah. them. And, and the statesmen know this because they yeah. have a bug. They, they ha- It's fun. But they have a, a bug planted on uh, a, a statesman whiskey bottle in the Oval Office. Um, so then they know like, oh, there's no help coming because like, but Julianne Moore thinks that help is coming or th- not help help us coming, but thinks that they're going to allow her to do all these things and like get away with her demands. So like that, I think that's fun. I think that is like more interesting, at least until they suddenly build a bunch of cages real quick uh, in yeah. a stadium. That's weird. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Again, Spy Kids aesthetic. Um, and the effect is and the not, effect is weird. Yeah, good. Uh, at all. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that the core of that motivation is interesting, but everything else around her is very sure random. Yeah. I really, really liked her, uh, video threat thing where mm-hmm. she's like, here are the steps of taking mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. drugs. And she's slowly yeah. unveiling like how your body like deteriorates until you, you, you die. And then the last one is Elton John who's frozen in place and they give him the antidote. And then he immediately just starts screaming obscenities at her. It's yeah. really yeah. good. <laughs> it almost feels like they could have cast even older for that character and had her be like this, like sweet grandmotherly type sure. person yeah, yeah. who then is doing all these horrible things. Cause I, I think that's almost what they're going for, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite, land and come across like for... a like a helen mirren type yes yeah uh it Could doesn't rosemary harris have done that <laughs> <laughs> what's jane uh... alexander doing yeah i uh i will also say if this woman wants 80s based 50s nostalgia billy joel is exactly who you need to capture agreed i yes. know he's not british but that's a hundred percent what that is um I mean, yeah. let's just say Julianne Moore, I think, is really, really good. Oh, yeah, I completely um, agree. I, I, despite me not feeling the movie at all, anytime she was even on screen, I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that at least. And it's nice because, like, she's so often in, such, in all these, like, heavy dra- dramatic roles. It's nice to see her do something where she gets to, like, be silly and be kind of, and, you know, just get to be, like, a crazy character. I, I, I like that for her, oh. and I like it for me. Yeah. All that being said, how fun would it have been if it had been Diane Rigg? Oh my god! <laughs> In this role, <laughs> you get the the Bond girl flip. I think oh, that could have been quite man. good. That would have been awesome. All right. Why why are we not making movies again? Why is this, <laughs> why is this not our job? Why don't like... they just let us do it? <laughs> I also think there was a little political commentary here because Emily Watson 
who becomes the new president. Mm -hmm. He was like her, I don't know, secretary of state or whatever. She is an English actress. So I think they were like, you know who should really be running America is a secret (laughs) English woman. (laughs) We actually need to get. Um, I also thought it was interesting. And this is not a criticism of the movie. Fox News is in the movie. Straight up. Whenever there's a news report, it's Fox News. And I was really, I thought it was just interesting that they pick a a clear news network. I don't know if any of those newscasters are actual newscasters. It wasn't like... I believe so. Okay. But it wasn't like oh, Bill O'Reilly and Hannity or anybody. Yeah. But... No, we got to save them for the, the, the real primetime shows like Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Sure, yeah. Zoolander 2. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're... they're I thought it was really interesting that the movie has a specific news network and there's no joke. There's no criticism. There's no, like usually in movies like that, you would go and now back to world news network, you know, just some made up MacGuffin thing, not MacGuffin, but you know, made up like news. Well, it it would be, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson doing an interview saying like, well, uh, she's, uh, found a way to introduce this virus. And right. Kill everybody. You, you, yeah. you would get like, you maybe have Anderson Cooper, Lester Holt, you know, kind of right. getting to have some fun on the set. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like Lester mm-hmm. always does. But I, I, and I, I was honestly kind of impressed that they picked a, a, a news network of that type and didn't make fun of it and didn't use it as like a punching bag. They were just like, but that also made well, me be like, it's weird that you just picked a network and was like, they're reporting it as opposed to just being like ABC news. I don't know. Did you see what I'm saying? Well, like, it, I liked how I think that's, a, I think that's just cause it's a Fox movie, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, there, there, there are, I had this, I had the same thought for a little while and I was like, Oh, right. There that's. are a couple <laughs> of kind of elements here. Cause not all Fox movies do that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think this is on the same level of like, you know, Skyfall uses CNN and Wolf Blitzer. Like, I think okay, it's sure. just like a very straightforward or Batman versus Superman does use CNN and Neil deGrasse yeah, right. Tyson is on there. But Anderson Cooper, I think, also does like <laughs> does reporting for the in the third act sure. of that movie. Right. Um, Doomsday has blown up the world. <laughs> I think we'll be back I remember, after this commercial break. I think I remember Elliot Kalen <laughs> on the flop house. I think I remember Elliot Kalen talking about like working at the daily show and they were going to, they were going to have a bit where like John Stewart was doing like a talking head for like mm-hmm. man of steel or BVS or something. And they just like got contact and were like, Hey, we need you guys to write up something for John to say about Superman. And he was like, Elliot, you're the, you're the nerd. You do it. And I guess like whatever that he wrote, they didn't use or something. Um, but that's interesting. That makes cause sense. Cause the line guy. that's in the movie sucks. <laughs> well, I don't think it's John Stewart anyway. Um, no, it is. Oh, it There's is a scene okay. with John Stewart talking about it, but like, it doesn't make any, any sense. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that doesn't use Elliot. So I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting that, the movie doesn't that they use real new because I'm so used to movies, especially movies like this that are right. comedies to be like, even if it's not, we're making fun of this network or this person to have them come on. It's like, and here's, you know, a newscaster saying a thing and here's the joke, right? They just kind of, mm. it's so matter of fact. And I honestly, I kind of respected the movie for that, for being like, we're just presenting the news network. We're not saying anything about it. The point is the poppy's doing this, the drugs. I mean, maybe it is an attempt to be a little more, 
down the middle, I guess, because yeah. the president is very clearly supposed to be a Trump-esque figure. Sure. Well, I, I probably Bush, I think. More See, than but anything, he but, was, also, he yeah. had a Southern accent. My read is that he, because Bush was my first thought, because okay. he was doing, he had gray hair, he was doing a Southern accent. But then I thought, he's not doing a Bush impression, you know? He no. wasn't like, we I- gotta get the drug guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Some, that's something that's my bush impression so, something about a twinkie from transformers sure sure uh, you know what i mean like I, I, so my, my thought was they gave him a southern accent because he's american right you know and and i think that that's like you know kind of the vibe they're going for but it's it's just like be a guy i mean it's kind of like the mcu the mcu does like your presidents pre- yeah. are just like guys you're president shaped go do it <laughs> I, I, I also feel like- that they make they made him just so over the top and just so right. gleeful. To me, it came off as a Trump parody. Could be. Maybe. I also... But then they tweaked it, so it's not exactly that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also something that, like, they don't mention any of his other, like, policies, you know? They just have him right. react to this one thing. Yeah. So it doesn't... And, and maybe a lot of this is... Be, we, and we are obviously making a bigger deal out of this than the movie does, which sure. is kind of my whole point of bringing it up, is that the movie doesn't make a big political thing out of this. But maybe it's also because they're British and they're like, we, we as British writers and directors and producers, how, is Matthew Vaughn British? Yes. Okay. They were like, we don't, like, if I was writing a crazy uh, action movie and setting it in England, I wouldn't know what to say about the prime minister. (laughs) I wouldn't know how to couch the BBC. (laughs) Like, I don't. Well, I mean, then again. But, but, but Paul Hollywood would be in it. Paul Hollywood as the Prime Minister. As the Prime. <laughs> yes. His policy's underbaked. <laughs> he's like pointing to the map and he's just like using his pinky to tell you where the bombs are going to go. <laughs> I was going to say, lest, lest we forget, uh, they did kind of kill off Obama in the last movie. Right. Yeah. It's, did that? It, and oh, which they does did make it, do that. Which does make it strange that this is not a. I guess this is in this timeline. This guy ended up being president because of uh, whatever happened. Line. Maybe he's a he's a Biden parody then. I was gonna say very possible he's like a, a, a Rand Paul kind of kind of vibe. Okay, in terms of hair, sure. So you know, guys, I don't know. guys it is it was weird. Strom Thurmond. I, he was Strom Thurmond the whole time. Thurmond. Um. You know, I think that's the kind of political podcast that the people need, where we don't actually say anything insightful. We just list off people's names. We just we just guys... say like, "This is who we think this guy is trying to do." Do you guys think we're on NPR now? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Look, are we, are, are we going to be featured on Politico? <laughs> look, I, I I mean, this is a proper setup and payoff. We we talked about Taft a long time ago. <laughs> that's, that's true. true. How yeah, great if I made a movie, the president would be a Taft parody, but I wouldn't. <laughs> but I wouldn't do a bathtub like joke, and so making fun like, of how terrible. Like, look up Taft's specific policies and yeah, find exactly. And just like, like oh, look at that. and then dr- dig into that. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> I got T A F uh, before I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeb Bush. What else do we have to say about <laughs> Kingsman 2? Uh, you know, this movie did want us to clap for it. I would say that. So we haven't really talked about whiskey. Maybe that's... Yeah, there you go. Good. Um, because I, Pedro Vascal, I think, literally did save this movie for me. Oh, I kind of got, got to the third act, and then the third act, I was kind of off to the races and like, yeah, this is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, he... 
so he shows up uh again it's a reveal where he tips his hat and it's like i'm also an actor uh and uh, but he's ha- he has a really fun it's weird we talked about this a little bit beforehand channing tatum has an accent and he is apparently from alabama i did not know that until looking it up um and i think also lived in mississippi when he was younger like he should have a southern accent it feels a little bit off to me and maybe sure. that's because like i i don't know it just doesn't quite maybe he's like shifted his accent over time and so like he's he's lost yeah, it a little like and like, get back yeah maybe maybe he's in kind of a weird gray area i think pedro pascal's southern accent is great yeah <laughs> so i don't know like i buy it and he's uh, been like a cowboy kind of voice anyway so yes, like yeah yes. totally um maybe it's almost easier to just like go to the extreme and sure. like way out of like how you would normally sound versus like i i don't know if channing tatum's trying to like do sort of a kentucky thing specifically and maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's uh off a little bit but um the whole well, time he's working with his dialect coach he's like if i can get this nailed they'll give me gambit it's, it's <laughs> it is my destiny <laughs> um well there, there's a bit when they do this version of the bar scene yes there's a guy in that like the head uh a mean boy in that mm-hmm. troop he says something he, his southern accent is not is, is does not work for me because at one point he says southern and another point he says bar so he mm-hmm. is is it where is he from is he from savannah or is he from I, macon like i i think uh, britain i think i think the 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 firm uh 100 accurate answer is the south and i shouldn't have said macon i should have said nicholson but you know is he is he going you know what i'm saying he's like but down here in the south you can't just come into our bar <laughs> like he was just sort of right. picking and choosing his regions Maybe and, they had him do I, different takes. And I, and I had to pause the movie and take a walk. I was just so steamed. Sure. Yeah. It could be a situation where they had him do different takes. Could like, be. Like, oh, hey, could in be. this particular one, do this one. And then because there are a bunch of British people, they didn't pick up on it <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. when they're <laughs> editing the final. Which is probably like, you know, I, I feel like this probably happens often in American media. And yeah. we just have no idea that they're like shifting wildly between regions of Britain. Oh, yeah, to- like, and totally, I, totally I, off. Totally. It's like if they're going... Well, I think that's a lovely idea. <laughs> like, yeah. you're just... I'm a proud son of Rhode Island, so I don't really know much about this. Sure. This has actually happened in a Matthew Vaughn movie before. Michael Fassbender's accent in X-Men First Class changes wildly depending on mm-hmm. what it's seen you're in. I think, huh. like, at, at the entire third act, he's got, like, more of a Scottish um, huh. accent. And then he tries to do a more British Ian McKellen accent for the rest of the film. It's a pattern. I spotted it twice. It. That makes a pattern. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah, it's his, it's his, uh, it's his mark. It's his calling <laughs> card. Yes. You um, better watch his other movies and find 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 the mark. Yeah, there's mark a part. The there's, there's one part where Aaron Taylor Johnson is like, "Hey, I'm kickass," and another part where he's like, "Yeah, it's me, kickass." <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> whiskey, though. So yeah, he shows up, uh, and it's it's a fun bit because uh, Harry tries to throw the glass after locking the door and saying "manners maketh man," uh, and he totally misses. And uh, Pedro Pascal catches the glass instead. He totally misses the the bully and starts getting beat up. Um, and so then Pedro Pascal steps in and starts whipping everybody with a lasso, uh, and it's real fun. It's a great scene uh he's he's throwing people around this movie has a slightly different 
style to the fighting. Uh, it's similar to the kind of focus in, focus out stuff, but I think there's more like emphasis on like stopping and sort of circling around the scene and then like speeding up again and then stopping to see the, to view what's going on. Like there, it's kind of a different, different aesthetic, uh, different idea. I've said aesthetic a lot on this podcast. Um, <laughs> he, that's uh, what, I mean, if you mark us on a, a topic, it'll be arts and culture. <laughs> that's true. Uh, we are so cultured. Uh, and that's why we're talking about Kingsman, the golden circle where whiskey uh, is throwing people around with his lasso in a bar. And like, he's there's some fun bits where they're having a conversation at the table. And th- some guy just like slaps down on the table with a lasso around him and gets dragged around again. Uh, it's good times. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's just a really well done scene. Um, and then he gets like, I, I thought that was going to be like, okay, you know, you got, you gave Pedro Pascal a fun scene. All right, moving on. We kind of proceed with more of the plot of the movie. Uh, and then I think the next moment is after they crash from the uh, cable car. Yeah. Uh, where So the whole setup for that is that they go, uh, Eggsy and um, Whiskey go up to the uh, lab where they're, ho- they're storing some of the antidote. It's a very James Bond lab. It's a big mountain view factory thing in the Alps. And, uh, they go in and get an antidote, but then, well, that's that's later. They, basically, they get stuck in this cable car, and Charlie's sets this cable car spinning so that it, like, is about... I don't entirely know what the goal of the car was supposed to be. I guess it was just going to keep spinning until it fell off or something. But then uh, Whiskey has an electric lasso, and so he, like, gets a, makes a hole in it. Uh, and then... I don't even remember what happens at that point. <laughs> he knocks the cables out above, so he get, and it okay, causes he get them the to basically the... swing yeah. down into kind of where the, uh, I don't know, they, they start, you know, they, they land pretty hard, and they start sliding, and they're about to hit, like, this old folks, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like a retirement community or just, like, a physical therapy place or yeah, what maybe. it is. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, then they use a parachute through the hole in the side of the vehicle thing to slow it down and they stop and there's a couple of old men screaming and that's kind of fun. Uh, Pedro Pascal like, oh. with an American flag. Yes. Parachute yeah, was yeah. pretty delightful. That's it. That's a good, a good send up of the, the bond yeah. parachute hopping. Um, and then eventually they end up in a cabin and Pedro Pascal gets into another fight where he just goes completely wild and is shooting a bunch of dudes. Uh, and like, using his whip and using his lasso and just going crazy. It's, it's real good. Yeah. Like and the I, lasso I can't is really... now electrified, making it a lightsaber essentially. <laughs> yes. Just pretty good. Uh, I can't really describe why, like you, you kind of just have to see it. Like it's, yeah. it's just a, a really fantastic, like shootout. This uh, is why I was so disappointed. that Pedro Pascal did not get an action scene in wonder woman, 1984. Because yeah. in the world of geekdom, he gets the best fights between mm-hmm. this and mm-hmm. and Mountain versus the Viper. He gets the there's, best fights. There's some good stuff in Mandalorian. Like yes, I don't. <laughs> but is yeah. that I Pedro rest Pascal. my case. I assume. Or is so. that just some guy in a suit? I assume Pedro Pascal never takes off the helmet in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, Last of Us is going to be weird. <laughs> 
well, I gotta protect you, Ellie, but first you need to understand that I'm a major Star Wars nerd. <laughs> uh... That show is probably going to be good. I'm looking forward. Yeah. I hope they don't cancel it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're living in a weird time, folks. Zaslav. (laughs) Zaslav's like, but before you get mad, (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie coming at you. Starring Josh Gad and Pedro uh, Pascal. And Dan Aykroyd as Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, anyway. Continue. Uh, Josh Gad and Dan Aykroyd? Is this like an They're old banjo and kazooie man? They're the bear and the chicken or whatever it's in that game. Oh, you know what? You're okay. I was thinking Crash Bandicoot. You're right. You're oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea of a Crash Bandicoot where Dan Aykroyd is like creepy old Crash, uh, <laughs> still like trying reflecting to reflecting on his regrets. Yeah, still trying to spin else. around. Yeah. No, and Josh Gad is happy young Crash Bandicoot. Right. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Kevin Hart is in it. Um, yeah. We're just going to leave that there. Um, yep. John Cena would be Duke Nukem. Continue. Yeah. Uh, Whiskey, played by Pedro Pascal, uh, also in that scene knocks the antidote out, and that's where Harry is like, you're a spy or a double agent, and shoots him in the head, and then he gets taken back and uses the bubble thing because Eggsy gives him the bu- bubble thing. Um, and then after, uh, we haven't even really talked about the giant shootout at the end of the movie. Um, but we kind of get to the end and I think that it's really just like one long, like 20 minute action scene. That's quite a bit of fun. Uh, just totally insane. Uh, Harry's using his umbrella and Eggsy now has a briefcase that like is also a gun (laughs) and turns into a riot shield. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Just Uh, the bit towards the beginning, they, they, there's like a, donut shop with a giant donut on on top Mm -hmm. they they knock that over and they're kind of just like strafing alongside of it using it as cover but eggsy is shooting the goons through the middle of the donut with this briefcase yes it's incredible it's wild it's fun (laughs) uh and meanwhile uh saturday night's all right for fighting is playing Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. uh how Elton John gets like straight up fight scenes yeah. uh, in this in the sequence. That's fantastic. I, I, uh, I'm pretty somebody. sure the first time I watched it, I like the movie had already lost me, but I was I that stuff was not sitting well with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly because the specific bit where Elton John he like jumps five mm-hmm. feet in the air. <laughs> yeah. It does a slow motion, like a huge digital effect making it as vibrant as possible because he's wearing the giant peacock costume and mm-hmm. he just looks at the camera and smiles as he kicks this guy in the face <laughs> yeah and you can imagine me sitting in the theater going right. i absolutely hate everything about this but now yeah. five years removed it's sure. pretty good yeah it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah yeah um this is also where charlie comes back in with a new metal arm and there's some really good stuff where he's like being a begsy and Eggsy's having to maneuver around the arm because it's got this like it, the the hand can shoot out and extend uh on a cable and that's that's pretty good um then the uh what's gonna say oh then he so <laughs> there is a scene in the middle of all this where he breaks charlie's neck uh after dispatching him in a good way uh and he says it's for uh jb and 
JB, his dog and uh, Roxy and his old gaffer uh, and yeah, his old gaffer and his old gaffer, Mark strong. Uh, and I don't think the through line is there throughout the movie for that to really work, yeah. but it, I, I like it in the moment again. Like sure. I think out of context, that entire scene, entire sequences, it's nice. Um, like if you just show me that, like if I just was flipping around, uh, and I landed on right before Mark Strong's death, and I just watched the end of the movie, I'd be like, I have to see the rest of this. This is incredible. Yeah. Uh, but Exit does not feel like somebody haunted by right. uh, those he has lost throughout the movie. It feels like we just have to move people around for plot reasons. One of yeah, his friend who uh, is in the apartment watching his dog when it gets blown up is like, there are two other friends that are there. One of them is there so that we can see somebody else who's been affected by the antidote. Uh, and like tra- track what's happening with them throughout the movie. Uh, but they never like have any sort of mention of like, they're not in a scene that also deals yeah. with the fact that this other, their other friend died in a horrible explosion. It really uh, feels like you have that scene where uh, Merlin Exy early on, they're questioning each other's loyalties mm-hmm. and like, were, were you responsible for this? Of course I wasn't responsible for this. And they, they go to this liquor store, which apparently has um, like the key to their problems. And this is where a right. Kingsman is supposed to go in, 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 um, in case of a doomsday scenario. And then they just find a bottle of Statesman yep. whiskey and it's kind of a fun bit because Merlin, before that, he's like, okay, no, here's how we approach this. You stick to your training, no time for emotion. And I do like that through line because um, that's the setup right before he sacrifices himself as well. Um, but he goes, no time for emotion. You know, you, we have to get through this mission, focus on that, and then you can cry in private afterwards. You can shed tears for those lost in private. Yeah. Um but then they start drinking this statesman whiskey and then they're just like bawling their eyes out mm-hmm. and they're drunk. Um, I, I like that. But then after that point, they're like, oh, there's a logo at the bottom. Oh, statesman's our next clue. Basically, the last 20, 25 minutes is just like pushed out the window. And it's like, don't yes. think about that anymore. The movie just restarted itself. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, Pedro Pascal shows back up. Uh, yes. The duel between <laughs> him and Harry and Eggsy is quite a bit of fun. Yes, and he's using all his tricks and tools and everyone is going crazy. Uh, again, it's like, it's hard to explain why it's so good without seeing it. I do actually like Whiskey's motivations. I like that it's not as simple as, oh, he was working for Poppy the whole time. No, he was just kind of like a, th- a third party that basically hated everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that well and he has the sort of the punisher motivation of right. his his wife was killed with while pregnant with his child because of a drug war which scenario. maybe is too serious a motivation for this material yeah but it's pedro pascal so i i give it a pass yeah well i wondered if his motivation would be something about like I don't know, maybe his relative of his was, was wrapped up in cartel stuff and was unjustly arrested or executed or something, you know. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe it's good that they didn't go that route. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, 
yeah i i like everything involving the the third act i i think it's kind of weird how poppy goes out she kind of goes out really really fast mm-hmm. um but i guess we've got the whiskey fight right after that so it doesn't really matter all that much uh right i i like the bit where uh elton and uh harry are fighting the dog in the bowling alley right. that was a lot of fun and they do a riff on the 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 sex joke at the end of the first kingsman but in mm-hmm. a much better way where harry after they kill the dog harry goes oh if if we save the world can i have two tickets to your next concert oh and wow. elton goes no love you can have if you do that you can have a backstage pass mm-hmm. i didn't even get that that's pretty, pretty good. good now that i get it that's quite good uh, that is so much better than that joke in the first film yeah. you're not wrong. but it only works because of it right right <laughs> yes uh there's also a fun bit in there where elton is popping up in front of the dog because elton's registered as a friend yeah and then yeah. julianne moore gets to be like kill elton and then the dog the dog's programming changes yeah i, d- I did i did want to take a screen grab right when because i've got the subtitles on and whatever and it just zooms in on julian moore going kill elton john <laughs> i kind of want to just do a screen capture that and be like guys this movie's weird <laughs> <laughs> well it's also odd to me they they do all this stuff with Eggsy's friends and not Eggsy's mother and sister who are established in the first movie his mom shows up in one shot during the wedding, and that is it. Right. Like, it would have been nice. Not nice, nice, I guess. But, like, well, maybe it's if they didn't want to have his mom be a drug user or something and be afflicted by the by the Because the way she was used in the third act yeah, of the first film yeah. was so much better. Because <laughs> it would have no, been easier I, for yeah. the audience to get invested in who Eggsy is worried about. But I guess he already has Tilde getting... Uh, uh, drugged so okay i've defeated my own point i think the only person we haven't talked about is the random lady that eggsy meets at oh the, music, the glastonbury, glastonbury festival yeah. i was kind of and, hoping we wouldn't talk about uh then bit. she gets killed in uh the antidote laboratory in the alps so yeah. and that's all that she has to do in the maybe movie. that's all we really have to say about it don't worry about it, audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alex and I were taking notes during Eggsy's seduction of her, though. We were like, okay, <laughs> this is, all right, this is what you gotta say to a lady. You just have to hope that an older guy with a cowboy hat tries coming onto her, and you yeah. can go, look at this idiot. But listen, the odds are high. <laughs> if you go also, to a place. Well, I... I think also the movie might, you know, lead you to false pretenses because it is implying that, uh, you know, it'd be easier to, uh, you know, get a girl to like you after shooing away Pedro Pascal. I don't, <laughs> I don't true. know that we're quite, I don't know it quite tracks. I'm not sure that, that the that logic actually fair. applies. That yeah. is fair. Sure, sure, sure. I feel like we should kind of address this to some degree. Basically, uh, basically the idea he is only that addresses it to a certain degree. So I guess basically Eggsy has to have a sexual encounter with this woman in order to get a tracker into her bloodstream. Yes. And the setup is ridiculous. It's absolutely forced. And it's just like the bond parody in terms of like seducing a lady to get information or whatever, like yeah. pushed to the nth degree. And like, 
like several points in the movie, I think it's just a step too far. And the fact that there's there's literally a zoom in that yeah. turns into this crazy digital effect, which Brittany were joking about Eric Kripke watching the show uh, or watching the movie. Um, like it's just it's really mm-hmm. misguided. Yeah, I guess <laughs> is that the right word for it? I don't That's know. Probably a good word for uh, it. Yeah, it's it, but it is like it. It's not as extreme as the moment in the boys, but it's also sure. more extreme than I was expecting in mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. movie. So, yeah. And, like, the music playing during it is, like, deadly serious, too. It's like, this is a dramatic moment. And I'm like, no, this is, like, this is when funny music plays. This is, I'm not <laughs> supposed to take this <laughs> seriously, <laughs> guys. They play yakety sax. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be better. Um, I did want to address the score because I think it is absolutely wonderful. And I think Henry Jackman um, improves on his already great material from the first film. Um, This is a soundtrack where I have several of the um, tracks um, on my own uh, personal playlists when I listen to film scores and such. I think it's really, really good. And just the the orchestration that goes with Mark Strong singing Take Me Home Country Roads, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. And, and they for, work it into the theme early on, which is kind of a nice yeah. like the opening is is Take Me Home Country Roads played with bagpipes and it's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> um but it, for those of you who are curious, the track uh in question is called uh No Time for Emotion. So I, I recommend going and listening to that. It's really good. Well, there you go. In the movie, Mark Strong like hits a hits a final note and goes up really high and makes like a clearly like distorted face, and it's great. Uh, and he like it just portrays a lot of uh, emotion in that moment, and I like it quite a bit. It's good. Now, I, I will go ahead and say that the next film doesn't have, like, a bookend where it starts in the present mm-hmm. and then jumps back. Like, we don't see any of Eggsy or Harry or anyone. Um, it's all just the, the prequel story. At this point, would you guys want another Eggsy Harry story? Would you want an official Kingsman 3? Or are you kind of good with this? I give this movie a C-. minus. <laughs> so I feel like we'd be on track for a D minus Kingsman three for me. And I'm not sure I could really get excited about that. Hopefully sure. I don't feel the same way about the Kingsman, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm probably good, but I don't think like if, if suddenly there was a new one and that was a movie I do for the podcast, I wouldn't be like, Oh God, they're doing Kingsman dominion. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, all right, sure. Whatever. <laughs> what did I give the last one? A C. Yeah, I'll stick with C. I'll stick with C. Wow. The The previous one may work a little bit better, like, uh, quote-unquote, objectively, but I might have had a little more fun with this one. I don't know. I'm not racing back to either one soon, but I don't hate them. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with a D. Um, For Delton. For me, it's it's the score and most of the performances I really, really liked. But that script is just a mess. And it makes several key uh, mistakes early on that I think 
completely just shoots itself in the foot and it for me it doesn't recover all that much tries its best with that third act but it just it does not does the king's man also have the same is it still jane goldman and matthew vaughn writing it uh i'm not sure if jane goldman's on there but it is matthew vaughn yeah okay writing and directing because i didn't realize but she's written like a lot of his movies or written on Mm -hmm. a lot of his movies um interesting interesting okay guess we'll find out well, I have a. I, I'm. I'm going to take a little break from my Gene Kelly uh, MGM musical recommendation streak. Although it'll probably come back soon. Um, I'm going to recommend. That's strange. I was actually going to recommend Dancing in the Rain. So, <laughs> you mean Singing in the Rain? Sing, yeah, you know they're all the same. <laughs> that's the Clearly, knock- I'm a big Gene Kelly yeah, fan. Yeah, that's the knockoff starring like Keen Jelly, <laughs> <laughs> which is. Uh, which is itself a knockoff of Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> right. I mean, I've, Britain, Britain, come on. Everything is a ripoff of I- Ivan Ooze. true. From the he Power is the progenitor. Right. He's Shakespeare, yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go. Where's my autograph book? <laughs> I'm going to recommend a movie that, kind of like what I wanted to see from Eggsy, um, is a lot about uh, maturing and adulthood. It's a French movie from 1998 called Late August, Early September. This movie, it, it it kind of plays like a Three Colors movie without the same type of like richness or like auteurness. Um, it's made by Olivier Assayas, who made a movie called Clouds of Sils Maria that I really like. Clouds of Sils Maria. I murmured over that weird title. Um, but late August, early September is a movie about the, a group of people all in their like mid late thirties who are at this point in their lives where they are transitioning out of, uh, they're no longer youth. They're not, they're not young anymore, but they're not old yet either. They're not even really middle-aged, but it's this part of your life that I'm getting close to where you're like, all right, you're not, you know, you, you're not in your twenties, but you're going to, you're, you're starting to set up the rest of your adulthood and understanding like. What does that mean for your job, your relationships, your perspective on those things, your perspective on yourself, um, whether you're confronting illness or a transition in a relationship or what have you? Um, at times, I wanted the movie to be maybe a little, maybe just a little more on the nose so that I could grip it a little bit more easily. Um, and it, the movie, stylistically, is just like people living their lives. It's you might get a little title card, scene card every now and again, but it's not... Like, it doesn't have the same level of style as, like, a Three Colors movie. Um, but the acting is all really good. The kind of main character, but the central character, is played by Mathieu Amaric, who everyone's seen in something. He was the bad guy, I believe, in Quantum of Solace. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> and he was in Sound of Metal and all other... He's all over <laughs> the place. He's wonderful in it. It's a really, really good performance from him. And a great, there's a guy named Francois Clouzette who's really good. Um... Nolgast is great. There's a lot of drinking beer out of very thin glasses and a lot of cigarettes um, and a little blood. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a movie that like blew me away, but it's it's an, it's still a really interesting movie. And I just think it's put across well. So if you if you like your three colors movies, if you like your French movies, this is one that I didn't know existed until I came across it on HBO Max. And I thought it was kind of neat. So if you want to see some cool acting and just a, a, a different kind of coming-of-age movie, because coming-of-age movies are almost always about high schoolers or 12-year-olds. And so it's nice to see one about, well, you're always coming of a different age. Like, 
you're not just transitioning into being old. And I feel like the American version of, of this kind of movie is like, this is 40 or something where it's mm-hmm. like a comedy about how your body is feeling more of gravity than it, you want it to. And it's not really about maturing in the same way. Right. And this movie touches on that a little bit more. Um, and it's cool. It's called late August, early September. It really, I, do you think like French directors when they hear like Americans talk about French movies and are like, yeah, it's no three colors, but you know, it's all right. Do you think, do you think that's like, if as an American director, every movie you made was compared to like the Godfather? Oh man. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> like, you, you know, yeah. over in, in, in France, they're like, oh, this is pretty good, but not, <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> you know, if you like The Godfather, but it's not, uh, but you want something a little lighter, I would recommend Billy Madison. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like The Godfather, but with a little more pep, a little more joie de vivre, um, and a, a, a very sillier hat. Adam uh, Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Uh, we from, uh, of course, uh, Punch Rock Love and Uncle James. This is an earlier film. <laughs> Uh, we all, of course, know him from <laughs> Mushroom Glove and Uncle James and Ryan Over Me. <laughs> <laughs> happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Ah, and he was uh, happy. What's uh, the What's the movie? What's the movie with the remote? The click. Click. So good. Click. Oui, je vous click. C'est un film. <laughs> if you like uh, It Happened One Night and Mr. L.C. Smith goes to Washington watch Click <laughs> it's a little higher concept but very good <laughs> well does anybody else uh, have something to recommend uh, compared to <laughs> Billy Madison or Three Colors Blue right uh I am I am in the middle of two shows and I've not been able to commit to finishing either. Still watching Sam, Sandman, still quite like it. Uh, I am I think I've watched I think last episode I watched was episode seven maybe. I've got a few more episodes of that. Uh, similarly, I think I'm on episode six or seven of Players, which is a yeah. uh, maybe the only Paramount Plus show question mark. Uh, <laughs> and it is made by the creators of American Vandal. I'm going to look them up because I keep forgetting to memorize their names. Uh, but the creators of American Vandal, the Netflix show about that's like a true crime mockumentary taking place about high school pranks. Uh, Dan Pearl and Tony Yacinda are the creators. Um, but this is about uh a e- esports uh league of legends team like professional esports team uh and it i haven't finished it i can already tell it is pulling off the exact same magic trick where you kind of start with these these lovable goofballs who are kind of idiots and you're kind of like why 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 should i care about them they're kind of humorous to like watch go through these things uh, and then, you know, halfway through, you're like, I have to know what happens to this person next. Like, that's so emotionally crushing for them to be going through that. Like, it, it to- I mean, it continues to have the humor all the way throughout, same as American Vandal. But, like, you get this thing where it's, it, it feels very real, even though the characters are pretty over the top. 
because the characters are so like their struggles and weaknesses are so human that like you you end up just rooting for them because they're all the underdogs uh always like not just in this esports league but like in general they are underdogs at life and that that is kind of what these creators have done with the, with american vandal did the same thing here uh haven't finished it yet like i said but i would definitely recommend checking it out uh i would recommend getting a free trial of paramount plus because uh i don't think it's gonna have a lot of staying power as a streaming service uh i have struggled to navigate it so far (laughs) it's got some technical issues and not a whole lot on there aside from nickelodeon shows but and also star trek i guess um but yeah uh use use your free trial to knock out players oh man i actually probably need to knock it out before i've uh had my trial expire there but uh (laughs) It's pretty doable. There, are, there are all, all the episodes are like 20 to 45, 20, 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of in a, that middle range. It's not super long. Um, and that's, uh, that's what I'm watching right now. I'll come back. Hopefully next week I'll have knocked out both of them. We'll see how it goes. I'm glad you're liking that. When I saw that show existed, I was like, this is a, this has got Tyler written all over mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Alex, what uh, you got? I, I watched an eclectic bunch of movies again. Sure. I'm just going to rattle them off because I think it's funny. Road to Perdition. <laughs> Good. Trial Good. of the Chicago 7. Good. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China. Good. Mm-hmm. And Hustlers. Sure. Mm-hmm. Also, so, good. also good. I watched all that. I'm halfway through Dope Sick, which is also good. None of those are my recommendation. You can just oh, chuck them out the window because I watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the real stuff. <laughs> well, tell us more. <laughs> Did um, you bring enough to share with the class? <laughs> Tyler, uh, very nicely, uh, let me use his free trial on Paramount <laughs> Plus. <laughs> um, it was it was everything I wanted and more. I absol- I was laughing hit thoroughly throughout the entire thing. Um, basically, the premise is Beavis and Butthead in the late '90s, through circumstances per a Beavis and Butthead story end up in space and they float into a black hole that sends them to 2022 (laughs) Um, and it's really good and the interesting thing is that that the premise really shows me that those two characters can work in any time period because the the great thing is just seeing them react to 2022 stuff sure like there's there's a whole bit where they go to college and they discover uh, several different things at college and hijinks ensue. I'll just say that. Um, it's it's absolutely hysterical. They go to prison at one point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely hysterical. They go to prison at some point. Alex's review. Yeah. About that. Uh, it was another movie where I was trying to think of like, what is the right, like, screen grab i can get from this to send to you guys sure. i'm like guys i'm having a good time but i thought it would be better to to save it for oh, a that's surprise good. That's good. i'm glad you um know. 
I'm glad you have it's the number like, one movie of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's only like an hour and a half, so yeah. If you uh, if you if you get if you get bored with players, or you're like, <laughs> I'm not watching Halo, dear God, no. Um, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. It's right there. There you go. That makes me very happy for you. <laughs> I wonder what the one Paramount Plus thing I would watch is. <laughs> uh, probably the Good Fight. Um, sure. Yeah. The fact that you had an answer right. Okay. But I also don't really know what's on Paramount Plus, so. <laughs> It genuinely I don't think seems Paramount to be... does either. <laughs> they actually had the Godfather trilogy leaving at the end of the month. So okay. <laughs> that's aside from that, it's Nickelodeon and Star Trek all the way down. I'm pretty sure. Okay, sure. It's like it's like my when, life as a teenage robot. Yeah. yeah, it's like when they have the announcement that like, oh, the Harry Potter movies or the Batman movies are leaving HBO Max, and you're just like, isn't that? That's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should it, why? Should that be your your one thing? <laughs> Um, I will uh, quickly say, I have seen Road to Perdition a long time ago. I want to rewatch it. The only thing I remember from that movie, really, well, I remember two things. But the thing I remember and love from that movie is when Paul Newman says, sons were put on this earth to trouble their fathers. I love that line. I think about it multiple times a week for no real reason. I love it, and I love Paul Newman so much. Yeah, the the interesting thing about that movie is just watching Daniel Craig's performance. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's pretty good. And that. and then when you learn <laughs> that apparently he basically just offered Skyfall to Sam Mendes while he was drunk at an after party, <laughs> you're like, this is this is good. <laughs> I I like the events that are at play here. <laughs> but yeah, it was all the movies I listed are good. I and sure. I I I would thoroughly recommend all of them. It's just my. My heart belongs to Beavis and Butthead oh, Do the Universe. <laughs> I would love for us to do Big Trouble in Little China on the on the podcast sometime. I think we'd all have a good time with that. Yeah. No, that, yeah, it's quite a bit I just, fun. like, that movie opens with Kurt Russell just yelling about, like, aliens or whatever. <laughs> Driving a big old truck. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, there we go. Three similar recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There's also a very bit where... I, I, gotta, I gotta say this. Beavis falls in love with Siri. Okay. He thinks it's this other woman that he and Butthead are attracted to and that they're pursuing throughout the movie. But he, he, the, the woman's name is Serena, but he hears like he has a phone and Siri is talking to him and he thinks it's a shortened version of her name. And he starts talking with her and his responses to what she's saying, where she's like, I don't know what you're saying, or I don't know why you're doing that or whatever. And he's like turning into these very deep philosophical <laughs> conversations, but it's Beavis, so it doesn't make any sense. It's great. <laughs> Cannot recommend enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm glad we're all stick to our brands. <laughs> uh if you want to hear more of our brands, you can find us at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, uh, iTunes, slash Apple Music, uh, the podcast apps, all, all the good stuff. Check us out. Uh, and also leave a review and a like and... <sighs> Offer your phone to the sun gods. Yeah. 
reach out uh, now and Tyler for... might give you access to his Paramount Plus free trial. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I don't know where I was going with the Sun Gods bit, but I like that better. Um, <laughs> do, do that. Do, get, send, email me and say, hey, I left this five-star review. Uh, can you give me your Paramount Plus credentials <laughs> that expire in probably two days by the time this gets uploaded? Uh, and I will do it. See, that was our mistake when we did Halloween Kills. We should have sold off Joseph's (laughs) (laughs) Peacock account to the highest bidder. (laughs) The Halloween Kills Peacock uh, giveaway. (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd be good. We did it uh, last... Does does Elton John qualify as an ostrich uh, or a peacock? We had that conversation last week. Now that we have seen it. Uh, uh, can't, does he qualify as an ostrich? I would say no. no. I, yeah, probably not. Peacock. You peacock heard it here down. first. Unanimous decision. Yeah. Uh, Elton John, not an ostrich in Kingsman, the Golden Circle. I've been Tyler. All right. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is on Paramount Plus. I've been Britain. <laughs> I I got nothing. Take it. I, take us home, I, Country Road. I, Let's do this. Look, I, I said my piece with Beavis and Butthead do America. And do the universe. Watch them both. Watch them back to back. Um, I've been Alex, and you're having a good night.